Hello, welcome. Welcome to Fearless with Jason Whitlock. I am Jason Whitlock, and you are tuned to the right show on this fabulous Wednesday afternoon. The afternoon. Happy Wednesday uh, to you and yours. We're halfway there, halfway to the weekend. Uh, we're all the way there as it relates to uh, Tennessee Harmony. You guys know what we do on Wednesdays. Pastor Anthony and Pastor Bobby uh, will be here the back half of the show. Uh, we're going to get a biblical perspective from Anthony and Bobby about war, the Ukraine war and what's going on with Russia and the Ukraine, kind of our jumping off point uh, for me to ask Bobby and Anthony, uh, what's the Bible say about war? Are there just wars? Are there wars that uh, God believes in or, or Christians should support? Uh, we'll get a biblical answer from our two ministers that appear with us regularly on Wednesdays, Pastor Bobby and Pastor Anthony. Uh, but before we do all that, I'm going to attempt uh, and going to complete and do, I'm gonna start a fire uh, based off the State of the Union address. It's just you and me uh, for at least I would speculate the next hour. Just you and me one on one with me breaking down President Biden's State of the Union address and what we should think about it. I, I, I last night was probably one of the first times I ever felt like I was in with both feet on the political discussion. A anybody that has uh, followed my career, followed my work as a journalist, as a writer, and as a broadcaster, I've tried to stay above the political fray. I feel like over the past uh, four to five years, I've been pulled into the political fray uh, in, in an uneasy fashion. But last night was the first time I was like, oh, I got both feet on the ground. I know exactly what I think. Uh, what is transpiring sparks something in me. And I feel more confident. And, and so again, who knows if I'll ever vote? I, I, I seem to be heading that direction that, that I'm going to. Uh, but I really have always made an attempt to stay above the political fray because I don't like politicians, period. And the thing that appealed to me about Donald Trump was that he wasn't a politician. And so he had the ability to be authentic, where I think most politicians are incredibly inauthentic. And so what we witnessed last night during that State of the Union address reminded me again of why I don't like politics, why I don't like politicians, why I believe they're all inauthentic, inauthentic. Because Joe Biden last night tried to morph in to Donald Trump. We've watched Joe Biden and the Democratic Party for the past five years. Anything Trump related is the worst thing in the plant, on the planet. Trump supporters and what they think are the worst people on the planet. 
And then last night I'm watching a State of the Union address that was a celebration of Donald Trump, his supporters, and pretty much all that they believe. And this was done with a straight face. This incredible pivot by Joe Biden was done with a face, a straight face without any acknowledgement of what their positions were before, what they believed in before. And I think this is all a reflection of they've stuck their fingers in the air. The pollsters have stuck their fingers in the air and the whole Democratic uh, demonization of America, demonization of the working man and woman has blown up in their face and they know that in November there's going to be some historic backlash, tidal wave against the Democratic Party. And Joe Biden last night tried to pivot to Donald Trump talking points. And that's why I'm calling last night be MAGA. That's what Joe Biden was trying to do. He was trying to be MAGA. Biden makes America great again. That's what the State of the Union was. And it wasn't just Joe Biden, because the thing you have to understand about a State of the Union, particularly in this era, is just a one hour commercial for whatever party is in power. And so that was a choreographed commercial last night. From start to finish, everybody that Joe Biden called out in the audience was personally picked for a specific, uh, specific reason. And they were supposed to represent something specific. Every, uh, all the little talking points and, and the, the applauses are all calculated and orchestrated, the, 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 the wait for the applause. And then I thought <clears throat> in, in the moment that nearly made me fall off my couch as I was watching this, and, and this is where we start, because I'm, I'm gonna walk you through what I thought were some of the critical, pivotal things that were said last night in the State of the Union. For the most part, I'm gonna do them in order, but I'm gonna start about 30 minutes into his address. And then I'll go back to some things that happened in the beginning, because I thought this was the moment where I was like, look at these mofos. They have no idea who they are or what they were representing just three months ago, six months ago, 12 months ago, the entire time uh, Trump was president. And they think they can take their mask off at the perfect time. Oh, State of the Union. We've been running around with masks on for two years and scolding anybody that doesn't wear a mask and we're gonna take them off and we can be just become completely new. It was almost, there was a baptism last night and the Democratic Party and Joe Biden were born again, made anew by political polls. But here's the moment where Joe Biden starts talking about inflation and says something about make it in America and as the Democrats follow the script, they start chanting USA, USA, USA at the end of this. Play the clip. One way to fight inflation is to drive down wages and make Americans poorer. 
I think I have a better idea to fight inflation. Lower your costs, not your wages. Folks. That means make more cars and semiconductors in America. More infrastructure and innovation in America. More goods moving faster and cheaper in America. More jobs where you can earn a good living in America. Instead of relying on foreign supply chains, let's make it in America. Look. Economists. Are you kidding me? The party that for the past five, six years has framed America as irredeemably, systemically racist, the party that has sat by and applauded as Antifa and Black Lives Matter denigrated every historical monument, every founding principle we have in America, the party who has propped up itself on the notion that America is evil, is now chanting USA, 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 that was straight out of a Trump rally. You, you can't make that kind of pivot in an instance without any explanation. Hey guys, I know I've been up here telling you that, you know, America is systemically racist and it's unfair to everybody and, and black people got a raw deal and gay people got a raw deal and trans people got a raw deal. And, and we need to, re, we need to uh, take guns away from people. And we need to uh, rewrite this Constitution. Now it's USA, USA, USA. This is choreographed. That was not remotely spontaneous. That was Joe Biden and the Democratic Party trying to hold a Trump rally. USA Today. Again, because all of this is choreographed. USA Today uh, had wrote a column uh, today, and I'm sure this writer, Kurt Bardella, was tipped off. Biden used State of the Union speech to take proud to be American from the GOP. And, and, some people will hear this as political partisanship. I'm just speaking facts. The proud to be American thing is really not a GOP thing. It is to some degree. But that proud to be American thing, that's a Trump supporter thing. That's a MAGA thing over the last five years. As they have pushed back against the people that have been trying to frame the greatest country uh, in the history of the planet, the country that has, and this is just a fact, 
created the safest, most uh, financially uh, sound, positive place for black people. Black people's standard of living in America and their safety in America exceeds the safety and financial success and freedom of black people any place else on the globe. That's just a fact. And there were people that were like, hey man, I, I, I get that what Derek Chauvin did to George Floyd is wrong. But let's don't lose sight of the fact that no place on the planet do black people experience a higher standard of living and safety than here in America. But Joe Biden and the Democratic Party have spent the last five years, and probably you can take it back to the Obama administration, trying to convince you that America is the most evil place on, on earth and America has its foot on the neck of black people. And what a shame if this country isn't more like Europe and more like this place and part of this global society that has its foot on the neck of dark skinned people all over the world. We need to be more like them and less like America. And so, and again, I know that's not, well, it is part of the primary issue going on with Trump people. Is they're like, hey man, this country is good to all of us. And we're tired of hearing Joe Biden and Kamala Harris and the Nancy Pelosi and the Democratic Party and Rashida Tlaib and, and AOC tell us how bad this country is. And how much better things are ever, oh, it's better in Canada. They got health care for everybody. All these places where it's supposed to be better, none of them have ever elected a black man or woman to be president or vice president. And if you add Kamala Harris and Barack Obama together, you almost have a black person. It's three quarters black. No one else can touch that. And so people have been pushing back like, man, this is crazy. America's great. While Biden and the Democrats have been saying just the opposite. And then last night from out of nowhere, USA, USA, USA. We got to make things here in America. That much of that speech was America first. This is why I don't like politicians. They rarely say what they actually believe. Who knows? Maybe that's what Joe Biden really believes, what he said last night. But that ain't what he's been saying. Give me the, give me the clip of Joe Biden uh, calling America uh, white supremacists and basically white people the greatest threat uh, to America. We got that clip. Give me that clip. Terrorism has, terrorism has metastasized. The threat has evolved way beyond Afghanistan. Those of you in the intelligence committees, the foreign relations committee, defense committees, you know well we have to remain vigilant against the threats to the United States wherever they come from. Al-Qaeda and ISIS are in Yemen, Syria, Somalia, other places in Africa, in the Middle East and beyond. 
And we won't ignore what our intelligence agency had determined to be the most lethal terrorist threat to the homeland today. White supremacy is terrorism. We're not going to ignore that either. My fellow Americans, look, we have to come together to heal the soul of this nation. It was nearly a year ago before her father's funeral when I spoke with Gianna Floyd, George Floyd's young daughter. She's a little tight, so I was kneeling down to talk to her so I could look her in the eye. She looked at me, she said, my daddy changed the world. George Floyd changed the world. And if he did, Joe Biden and Kamala Harris and the Democratic Party are responsible. And so if George Floyd is the most important American since Martin Luther King or Abraham Lincoln, and he was a fentanyl drug addict and a criminal and a porn actor, he changed the world in a way I just, I'm sorry, I just don't respect. But, you know, white supremacy, the most lethal threat. None of that addressed last night. This man stood up six, seven, eight months ago, whatever, and oh, this is the most lethal threat to American freedom. It's white supremacy. And then gets to the State of the Union and nothing. The most lethal threat now is Vladimir Putin. And maybe he is, but it's just hard for me to believe. And so my, my whole thing with the State of the Union last night and why it just didn't ring uh, valid, authentic, it wasn't well-timed, it wasn't the message I wanted to hear, and I don't think many people wanted to hear, we got problems right here in America, and Joe Biden spent the first 20 minutes talking about Europe and the Ukraine and Russia, and I'm not trying to diminish that, and I know it's connected to us, but we're not going to fix anything in America until we fix ourselves. You can't be as broken and as divided as we are thanks to Joe Biden and his political party. And I'm sorry for laying most of the blame at their feet. And I'm not gonna sit up here and pretend like, oh, it's equal. And so in order, and I get that, the because I don't like them either, the Republicans. They play games too, they sold out to China too, I get it. But the group that has divided this country with a passion and has tried to take us back to civil war is the left and they did it to seize power. And so for this man not to stand up there and understand if we're going to help the Ukrainians or any place, anybody around the globe, we got to come together first. And so this is what bothered me. And, and I'm going to start going through these, these other clips of, from his speech, and I'll go back to some of the beginning. He spent the first 15, 20 minutes talking about unity with NATO and all these other countries, and I'm like, what about us? You've torn us apart, and you wanna talk about fixing 
a, a problem between UK, Ukraine and the Russians. We're going to have that same problem here in America. There's people here in America talking about we need to divide this country up and split it up and give these satanic leftist lunatics their country and the rest of us have this country. We're talking about basically the same thing. Putin appears to be wrongly trying to pull his people back together. Feels like they broke up 30 years ago and he wants them back together and he's going to try to do it by force. That sounds like the kind of thing that will happen here in America in 30, 40 years from now, someone will be trying to bring us back together because Joe Biden and our current leadership don't have the balls, the courage, the intellect, the integrity to stand before the American people and tell them the truth and try to bring us back together. Uh, play the, the clip about unity or whatever he said, Ukraine, unity, play that clip. Well, it shouldn't have taken something so terrible for people around the world to see what's at stake. Now everyone sees it clearly. We see the unity among leaders of nations, a more unified Europe, a more unified West. We see unity among the people who are gathering in cities and large crowds around the world, even in Russia, to demonstrate their support for the people of Ukraine. In the battle between democracy and autocracies, democracies are rising to the moment, and the world is clearly choosing the side of peace and security. I, I, I got no interest. I don't have an agenda to try to diminish the impact and the importance of what's going on in the Ukraine and with Russia. But I'm an American. And so the first 15, 20 minutes of this speech just didn't resonate with me because I can't fix, we can't fix the Ukraine and the so and Russia, I'm sorry, I keep saying the Soviet Union, and Russia until we fix ourselves. That, that's my whole philosophy on everything. I'm very consistent with my values, logic, point of view. And people said, oh man, uh, why are you always criticizing a Colin Kaepernick or a LeBron James or anybody who speaks out for black people and tells white people they racist? Because my philosophy, my worldview is you must Fix yourself. That's how you change the world. You be the light. And that's what I saw last night. We're not a light unto the world. That's why Putin is running wild. That's why China is running wild. They don't respect us. We don't have our stuff together. So they think it's time to do what they want to do. When America is a light unto the world, when everybody has to point to America and say, man, they got their stuff together, look what they're doing. Uh, that's when people fall in line. When we have the kind of chaos and racial division and, and hostility towards truth, that we have here in America, everybody can see it. Everybody around the world can see it. People are laughing at us. We have biological men competing against women in sports. That's a joke. 
any person around the world who has a respect for truth or any kind of faith-based worldview knows that we're Babylon and we're codifying. We're making the same mistake as Sodom and Gomorrah. There's always going to be sin and stupidity in the world. But the dangerous people, the satanic people, they codify it into law and justify it with laws and customs and culture. That's what we're doing. We're a joke. We have a joke for a president. If we don't clean that up, we're not cleaning up anything. And Putin and China will run wild while America's in chaos and there's no unity. And so the State of the Union last night, I would have had no problem if he had used the situation in Ukraine and with Russia as a jumping off point to say, this is why we need to clean up our house here in America. Because if we're gonna fix that, we have to be all on the same page. We can't be a circus. We can't be hostile to truth. We can't betray the values and the principles that founded this country. But that's not what he did. He just tried to pivot and morph into Donald Trump. And he just didn't do it in an authentic way. <sighs> there was a moment early on. Do we have these pictures? And again, this is why it's inauthentic and how everything is uh, scripted and organized. Uh, Biden early on pointed to a guy, Jojo Burgess, and then later a kid, I think, named Joshua Davis. Jojo Burgess, I think, is some uh, steel worker from Pittsburgh, some kind of union worker. Uh, that's him on the left. And then Joshua Davis is a kid that he and his dad have type 1 diabetes, and Joe was talking about the cost of insulin. And, and maybe this only uh, struck me, and, and maybe I'm going a little bit off stream, but I'm just telling you what bothered me watching this. I'm just trying to walk you through what bothered me watching the State of the Union. Because as soon as I saw JoJo, little chubby dude on the left, and yes, I'm, I'm fat, and I can still call him chubby. I see it, I don't care, it's accurate. I was like, who let Bookman from Good Times into the State of the Union address. Who, who, who let Professor Crump into the state without, no, Professor Crump is actually uh, properly dressed. I'm just so, cause again, this is all scripted. They show a black man improperly dressed for the State of the Union. I'm just sorry, you can't convince me that this grown ass man doesn't have a suit to wear to the State of the Union address. You can't convince, and so he's there to represent the steel worker, the working man. Hey, basically wear the outfit you wear to work and come to the State of the Union. 
This is a script, and this is how they wanted to portray me. Because that dude looks like me. And if I went to the State of the Union, I'd have a suit and tie on and be dressed properly. I'd be dressed like a grown-ass man going to the State of the Union. Then they pivot just a few minutes later to a child who is dressed like he wants to be the president of the United States. And to me, it had significance, and I don't care if no one else gets my point, but to me, it had significance. I was like, this is why I can't stand the left and the Democratic Party. They're the best friends of black people. But they put us in positions to look like clowns. And perform, and I'm not calling this man a clown, but damn it, ain't no way no grown man should show up at the State of the Union without a jacket and tie on. But that's the role they wanted him to play, so he took it. And then they let a child show up dressed like a grown man, a white child dressed like a grown man. It's in all the little subtle things that they do. The Democrats, oh, we love black people, lay up. No, you don't. Because every time you design a role for us, it's in a role that diminishes us. He was going to have that man at the State of the Union. If he ain't got a suit and tie, buy him one. Have him one made. This ain't no last minute situation. Ain't no, I'm going to assume uh, that the, uh, JoJo must be single. Because any black woman I know would have slapped him upside the head. You ain't going out the house this way. Going to the State of the Union. You're not representing me and our kids like that. Are you crazy? That's what would have been said. And I'm just telling you, I'm just keeping it real. But Joe Biden and Kamala Harris dressed this dude up like a clown and he took the role. I'm Bookman at the State of the Union. Let me move on, because I'm emotional and I went there. And I, I apologize uh, for using that word, but I just say, I don't like the word, but I'm just keeping, that's the conversation that would have taken place. Then, <laughs> in one of the, I thought, one of the most incredible moments, uh, Joe Biden basically went Avon Barksdale and let you know who his daddy is and what he is, what, what it is he actually does and what all these politicians have done, uh, do and what these last two years have been about. Big Pharma and pushing drugs for the pharmaceutical industry. Joe Biden's out here bragging about how many pills he done ordered. He got the best product, he got that WMD. If any of y'all watch The Wire, anyway, here's Joe. Uh, Biden being your pusher man. If you get COVID-19, the Pfizer pill reduces your chances of ending up in the hospital by 90%. I've ordered more pills than anyone in the world has. Pfizer is working overtime to get us a million pills this month and more than double that next month. Now, we just went through two years of COVID. People being forced to take vaccines that don't prevent them from getting COVID. And Joe Biden is so stupid 
and, and so corrupt and his speech writers and his handlers are so stupid and so corrupt and, and just have so little respect for you that he would get on TV and talk about, Pfizer's making a bunch of pills. I done ordered more pills. I'm pushing more pills than your dope man. He got on TV and said that. And no one really called him out on it. I work for Pfizer and all these pharmaceutical companies, and we done pushed more pills down your throat in these last two years and made so much money. It's mind blowing. Y'all keep sucking down these pills. This man talked about COVID-19 and all the success and there's less hospitalization, and everybody gets back, and ain't said one word about fat people in America, and I'm talking about me, get up off your ass and go exercise or you're going to die from not just COVID, from all the other comorbidities and all that other stuff, and that's what we need to do. But again, he's not that authentic. Politicians aren't that authentic. That's why I can't stand them. They never tell you what you need to know. They tell you what they can profit from. And so at the State of the Union address, the President of the United States of America is pimping Pfizer. That was a Pfizer commercial in the middle of the State of the Union address. This is all just a big TV production. They didn't showed you uh, Macaulay Culkin and Bookman. It's all just a TV show. And oh, we're going to chant USA, USA at the proper time. It's like a laugh track that gets played in sitcoms and comedy shows. It's all scripted. I'm going to pause for a moment, tell you about my friends at Good Ranchers, and then I'm going to continue. Uh, it's hard to buy American sometimes. Just try to find a U.S.-made television or pair of sneakers, but <laughs> it shouldn't have to be that way with food. The vast majority of meats that are sold online and in your local grocery stores comes from foreign sources, too. Not with Good Ranchers. They have the best quality grass-fed and grain-finished beef, organic chicken, and seafood you can find anywhere. And it all comes from the from farms right here in the good old U.S. of A. American meat from hardworking American ranchers. Head on over to GoodRanchers.com fearless today to have delicious American meals on your table. Order now with the code fearless to get $25 off your box. Now is the time to support American farms and ranches. They're hurting and you're hungry. Solve both of those problems with a box of American meat. Go to GoodRanchers.com fearless. Good Ranchers, American meat delivered. Tell you something about good ranchers. The way I'm surprised Joe Biden didn't mention them last night, the way he tried to pivot to everything that's good and right and 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 proper about America. He should have mentioned good ranchers. They support you, me, and that's why you need to support them. Now, I want to return to my evisceration of Joe Biden and his uh, State of the Union address. Where I left off the, the pusher man. Fire, yeah. Oh. 
<laughs> and quite possibly the biggest pivot of all last night is Joe Biden is pro-police. Joe Biden and the Democratic Party are pro-police or try to pretend to be. Play the clip and I'm gonna tell you why it's phony. We should all agree the answer is not to defund the police. It's to fund the police. Fund them. Fund them. Fund them with resources and training. Resources and training they need to protect our communities. I ask Democrats and Republicans alike to pass my budget and keep our neighborhoods safe. Pass my budget and keep our neighborhoods safe. Now, the murder rate in major cities skyrocketing all across the country. The violent crime rate skyrocketing all across the country. You got smash and grabs going on all across the country in cities primarily controlled by Democrats and people in Joe Biden's party. The, the, I saw people over social media pretending like it was a fringe element of the Democratic Party that was calling for defund the police. It wasn't a fringe element. When everybody caught the George Floyd fentanyl Holy Ghost, they wanted the entire United States law enforcement agencies shut down, defunded. And it wasn't outside. Kamala Harris was paying bail for rioters. They've disrespected law enforcement for the last five or six years. It's actually been longer than that, going back to Trayvon Martin, and he wasn't even killed by law enforcement. But the disrespect and hostility towards law enforcement and the planned chaos, because that's what this was about, planned chaos. This was an orchestrated attack to demoralize the police, de uh, lower everyone's respect for law enforcement so that we would have this kind of chaos. And now Joe Biden wants to, everybody agrees, we should fund the police. I gotta give uh, the GOP credit. They put out a tweet this morning. Uh, it's a seven minute compilation of all these Democratic politicians talking about defunding the police. And it's big names, small names, TV personalities, all of them. I'm not gonna play the whole seven minutes, but I just wanna give you a taste of like, no, 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 this was a pervasive thought among Democrats. Play the clip. So we've been talking about defunding the police. Uh, there's some issues that we ask police to do, like mental health issues or policing in schools and all the rest, that perhaps we can uh, shuffle some of that money around. Suck it up. Defunding the police has to happen. We need to defund the police. Mayor Eric Garcetti saying, take some of the money from policing, about $150 million. I applaud Eric Garcetti for doing what he's done. Not only do we need to disinvest for in police, 
but we need to completely dismantle the Minneapolis Police Department. So yes, defund your butts, defund you. Yes, I support the reallocation of resources uh, from NYPD. We will be moving funding from the NYPD to youth initiatives and social services. They are talking about reducing the allocation of resources to that department. And I think every single city in this country ought to be thinking about the same thing. Yes, I support the defund movement. I'm for responsible reallocation of resources. And defund the police. I think you do all those other things, you don't need all the money that's going to the police department. So yeah, I mean, the spirit of it, I, I, I do support that. Yeah, and you know, a lot of us were asked if we could imagine a future without police back in 2017 when we were running for office. And I answered yes to that question. We are going to reduce funding in the police department and redirect that money. That's not a fringe element. That's the heart and soul of the Democratic Party. That's the squad all the way up to Nancy Pelosi and Kamala Harris. That's not a fringe element. That's the entire Democratic establishment calling for the defunding of police. And here comes Joe Biden on a dime, not calling anyone out, not admitting that his party led this movement, led to the rise in homicides across this country, led to the rise of black homicide across this country. All over George Floyd, one man dies and the solution is let's create a situation where thousands die. To, to, to honor George Floyd, the fentanyl addict and criminal. Let's create a situation where more young black kids in the inner city get shot by stray bullets in gang violence because the police are undermanned, have backed off, have been disrespected, reluctant to put themselves in harm's way because if Jacob Blake pulls a knife on him, Joe Biden and everybody on TV is going to call him racist if they shoot him and put him down. Rashard Brooks took a taser from the police, fired it at the police, had wrestled him to the ground, thrown a punch at him, and the policeman is being charged with a crime in Atlanta. I can't remember the little light-skinned mayor uh, of Atlanta. She's leaving now or has left, but she was behind that. Bottoms. Keisha Lance Bottoms. But now we want to fund the police. Biden wants to make America great again. Be MAGA. These people are so incredibly dishonest, so incredibly inauthentic, and you wonder why people still thirst for Donald Trump? People want some authenticity and some truth. And if he's the only one that'll give it to them, that's where they're gonna take it. If you're in the desert, starving for water and there's only one source readily available, 
You don't care if it's a snake handing it to you. You'll drink that water straight from the mouth of the snake. If the water fountain don't work, politicians are supposed to be the water fountain. They're supposed to provide water and all the essentials that people need for growth. They're not giving it to them. And so Donald Trump is authentic, says actually what he believes, even if it hurts people's feelings, even if it pisses off the entire Republican establishment. That's what people want. That's not what we got last night from the State of the Union. That was not authentic. That was not real. That was someone looking at the political polls and saying, whoo, people out here thirsting for this Donald Trump stuff. Let me give them a little. Then Joe Biden went to his little favorite topic. He changed the name of it, but uh, his favorite topic is the new Jim Crow. And how the Democrats, we fighting for the right to vote. Because, oh my God, if someone asked you for an ID, that's racist. You know black people ain't got IDs. Play, play the clip. The most fundamental right in America is the right to vote and have it counted. And look, it's under assault. In state after state, new laws have been passed. Not only suppress the vote, we've been there before, but to subvert the entire election. We can't let this happen. Tonight, I call on the Senate to pass, pass the Freedom to Vote Act, pass the John Lewis Act, Voting Rights Act. And while you're at it, pass the Disclose Act so Americans know who's funding our election. These people have taken a dump for the last 13, 14 months on anybody who questions the 2020 election and say, oh, it was subverted. Oh, they use voter fraud or voter suppression or whatever, and, and no way Joe Biden got 81 million votes. Anybody that says that, that's disinformation, that's misinformation. They're a conspiracy theorist. But the President of the United States can stand in Congress, in the, at the Capitol, and say, uh, in state after state, new laws have been passed, not only to suppress the vote, we've been there for, before, but to subvert the entire election. But, but anybody on the other side that questions the 2020 election, they're undermining the integrity of our democracy. They're a threat to our society. They're QAnon, they're conspiracy theorists, they're domestic terrorists. They're the most lethal threat to American freedom. Can you imagine having, and then I, I want to, I'm going to change up the tone a little bit about the audacity of this dope, the audacity of dope. That's my, that's what Biden's book 
will be titled. The audacity of this dope to go to the Capitol, give a State of the Union speech after you've described white people as uh, white supremacists and that January 6th was an insurrection and it was led by white supremacists, Trump supporters. And so you go to the place of the insurrection and you're giving a State of the Union speech and the words January 6th never fall out of your mouth. I thought January 6th was one of the most incredible Pearl Harbor-like days, a day that will live in infamy, we'll never forget where we were, it was so terrifying, blah, 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 and you're there giving a State of the Union. Never touch it, never address it. Never comes out of your mouth. That's the pivot to Trump. That's the audacity of Joe Biden that he will turn into Trump and reject all the things he's been saying this entire, his whole presidency and leading up to the presidency. Toss it all out the window. Oh, the polls have changed. We're about to get slaughtered in the midterm elections. I'm going to pivot and I'm going to morph into Donald Trump. The audacity of this dope. And then for the, the media is out selling it. As if this was some historic moment. <sighs> uh, here, here was another one of my uh, favorite moments. Th this just struck me as a Christian. Um, he talked about the LGBTQ. Let, let's play the clip. And folks, for our LGBTQ plus Americans, let's finally get the Bipartisan Equality Act to my desk. The onslaught of state laws targeting transgender Americans and their families. It's simply wrong. And I said last year, especially to our younger transgender Americans, I'll always have your back as your president so you can be yourself and reach your God-given potential. I'm going to ask Bobby and Anthony about this later. But what he just said is an abomination. So you can be yourself and reach your God-given potential. This transgender thing ain't got nothing to do with God. And that's not me trying to dump on those people. But, but this, this isn't about, that's not about God. And for Joe Biden, who calls himself a Christian, calls himself a Catholic, to connect the transgender issue to God is blasphemy. Because we all have thoughts in our head. We all have feelings, desires, and so I, I get, I, I don't doubt that there are people who feel, who have a man's biology and feel like a woman. I get it. It's things I feel. Some really 
perverted, inappropriate things I feel. I see an attractive woman, there's things I feel. The Christian in me knows those feelings are wrong and I need to suppress them. I just can't have, again, I've talked about it on the show a million times. I feel like some McDonald's right now. Ooh, do I feel, oh, give me a double cheeseburger right now. I feel it in my bones. It's not good for me. It's not what God wants for me. He wants me to eat from the earth and eat real food in moderation, not processed and microwaved. So this whole little, whatever you feel, God made you that way. No, sin made you that way. God has told you what he wants in the Bible. Don't connect this transgender thing to God. And this is what drives me crazy about so-called Christians. Joe Biden and everybody in the demonic, perverted, secular cult who are calling themselves Christians, but all of their actions, thoughts, their philosophies aren't based in religious Christian principles. They may say it, they may be able to quote the scripture, but they can't back it up. Because if they did, if they truly understand it, they would be offended by the president of the United States calling himself a Christian, standing in front of America and telling them that your God-given potential has something to do with removing the body parts that God gave you. Cut it out. And I'm not trying to, people can have that surgery, but don't put God in it. I t I've told y'all on this show, now I wasn't aware of it, but I got a young woman pregnant and she had an abortion. God didn't have nothing to do with that abortion. And you'll never hear me justify talking about God. And so just because we have the technology to reach up in a woman's womb and snatch a baby out, God ain't got nothing to do with that. Just because we had the technology to cut off a boy's penis and make it a vagina, that don't mean God has something to do with it. <laughs> this, and I'm getting, yeah, this is my last clip that I think I want to play from this. Just, Joe Biden doesn't even understand America. And again, that's where his whole little impersonation of Trump just comes off so incredibly inauthentic. He, he doesn't even understand America. He, I want you to listen to what he says is the single word that defines America. We're the only nation on earth that has always turned every crisis we faced into an opportunity. The only nation that can be defined by a single word, possibilities. So on this night, on our 245th year as a nation, I've come to report on the state of the nation, the state of the union. And my report is this. 
The State of the Union is strong because you, the American people, are strong. Do you think people that took boats from Europe over to America in the 16, 1700s, again, possibilities were part of their thinking, but these people were in pursuit of freedom. Freedom has defined America. We offered it in abundance. And people from around the world have been beating down America's doors to get in. People are flooding our southern border right now, looking for freedoms, not possibilities. Again, for, for, for black people that play spades, you know, Joe, yeah, I got three and a possible. That's the, no. That's not why you play the game for the possibilities. We came here, we love this country, the people that value this country, I value the freedom. And it's like, he, this man is not an idiot, he knows that. And he knows that what he's done and what has been done in America over the past two years, the assault, the out of the closet assault on freedom is why he stayed away from that word and tried to, yeah, the one word that defines America is possibilities. Because I can't say freedom, because if I say freedom, I know that all the conservatives are gonna list all the attacks on freedom that have gone on over the past two years under the guise of protecting us from COVID. So the President of the United States in the State of the Union address misrepresented intentionally what this country is all about because he knows the kind of assault that has been done against American freedom in the name of COVID, in the name of globalism, in the name of pleasing China. You didn't hear this man talk about China last night, not in a real way. Oh, it's Putin, it's Russia. Putin and Russia wouldn't do a damn thing if they weren't in bed with China. We know who's financing this. We know who has the most influence over American culture right now. It ain't Russia, it's China. We know who our enemy is. We know who's led by the Chinese Communist Party. We know that communism is the enemy of freedom and the enemy of Christianity and the enemy of our way of life. We know who's pulling the strings. And this is why Joe Biden is not authentic. And this is why people are still thirsting for Donald Trump because Donald Trump would have walked in that building and would have called China out would have called Russia out, but he damn sure wouldn't have left China out of the equation. They're all in on it, all the politicians. Joe Biden's been a politician for 48, 49 years. There's not an honest bone left in his body. There isn't an authentic bone left in his body. 
That was a tragedy, a travesty, a mockery of American freedom last night and everything that we stand for and everything that people have been thirsting for. Authenticity, a leader who will do what they say. Does it, no one cares about mean tweets. So I was having a conversation uh, before the show with Gaston, the president of Blaze, and just telling him what I was going to be talking about. And, and I had the conversation because I knew he would say something. I go, yeah, I hadn't thought of that. And, and so I, I was talking about, like, the Democrats are, are have been so off brand, so tone deaf, so far removed from what the American people actually want and desire that, you know, they had to dramatically pivot here because the poll numbers are so bad. Anybody with their finger in the air knows, whoo, boy, the Republicans are going to take back the House. And, 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 and once, if things go the direction the pollsters are saying, the midterm elections could be some kind of historic event that we see such a dramatic sea change. And again, those events out in San Francisco, the election with the school board or whatever, has the Democratic Party scared to death. Because, you know, everything starts local, goes national. You can see signs of what's going on nationally from local. And so when you're out in San Francisco and, and three school board members are getting ousted because parents have had it, Joe Biden and the Democratic Party are scared to death. They have betrayed their base. They have betrayed the working man and woman in America. And so, and, and Gaston made the point that I thought was brilliant. It was like, one of the, could, can you imagine, the whole Democratic establishment just stood up and disagreed with and fought against one of the greatest unions in the history of unions. Truckers, the Freedom Convoy up in Canada. The Democratic Party stood against those guys. That's who the Democratic Party used to be. I have Democratic roots. My mother was a factory union worker and a staunch supporter of the Democratic Party. Unfortunately, she still is because she's still brainwashed. She can't see that that party left her. She can't see that uh, manufacturing jobs and how we've been sold out to China and all these other global entities. And so people like my mother and my father who started out a factory worker and then built a nightclub, a bar in the inner city for factory workers Again, my whole life has been about union factory workers. That's my foundation. That's what put me in this position. That's why I will never sell out a working class perspective. It doesn't matter how much money I ever make. I'm still going to think about my mother at Western Electric and those union workers, the guys from Chrysler and Ford 
that came into my father's bar and supported him and therefore supported me. Those are the people I respect the most in this world. They invested in me. I'm never going to sell them out, even if they don't understand what I'm doing and why I'm doing it. Even if they're caught up in this race religion that the Democratic Party keeps selling y'all. They're going to protect your skin color, but they're not going to protect your job and your way of life and your way of supporting and taking care of yourself and your family. The Democratic Party is going to continue to feed you black women married to white men and empowering them. That's how they're going to feed you. When Kajanti, whatever Brown, whatever her name is, when she gets on the Supreme Court, see if that pays your light bill. See if that pays for your cell phone. See if that will send you on a vacation. But Joe Biden and that party have sold out working class people. They're in bed with the globalist corporation. So are the Republicans. But it, again, I'm, the MAGA people, that's a whole different group. And you can believe that they're racist if you want to. But what they're not are idiots who will climb in bed with people that constantly lie to them and are inauthentic. At least they got a real one. Do you? If you think Joe Biden is a real one. <laughs> I got to. <laughs> that speech last night needed to be about unifying America. And yeah, he touched on it and came at the very end. He came out with his little four point unity agenda. We gonna cure cancer. We gonna make sure every baby has a payday candy bar. We gonna make sure uh, more Black Panther movies are made. All this little feel good bullshit. What was it? The opiate problem they was gonna fix, cure cancer. I got, I got to, oh, I got to look this back up. I had it called, I had it called up. I can, but it was all noise. This was the, oh, take care of our veterans. Take care of our veterans sound like the people that, I take care of my kids. Well, you supposed to. I'm not giving you extra credit points. Taking care of our veterans. I don't take no, we better do that. Or we need to do a better job of it. But again, there was no real talk of unity and addressing uh, the demonization of an entire group of people who have a right to be upset. Their politicians, our politicians haven't represented them. They've sold us out to China. They've sent all of our manufacturing jobs overseas and these people don't have a right to be upset. You'd be upset, too.
if you had a brain and used it. But Joe Biden, he pivoted all, oh yeah. What did he talk about? Some CEO from Intel that was there and he's gonna invest $100 billion in manufacturing. This was all Trump stuff. The man just pivoted to Donald Trump. That's all that was last night. But it just wasn't told in a believable way. You can't tell all the lies that they've been telling for the last five or six years and then change on a dime. Now I'm not going to mention January 6th. Now I'm not going to call voter suppression Jim Crow 2.0. I'm going to tone it down. And now I'm going to talk about funding the police. I'm <laughs> Let me tell you how little unity we have here in America and why Joe Biden needed to address it directly and didn't. And that's why he's a coward. And again, many, again would be my problem. But Trump can't address unity in an authentic way. He can address manufacturing jobs and how we've been sold out and blah, blah. But bringing this country together and having the con- leading the conversation that we need to have in this country about race and giving people a full understanding of America's narrative, it's not his strength. Obama should have been able to do it, but scared or was instructed not to. We have bad leadership in this country. We can't even talk about what's really ailing us. This disunity, this disharmony, this race-based disunity and, and disharmony. They don't know how to address it. And so they don't. And they come up with platitudes and BS. But let me tell you how, how bad things have gotten and why it needed to be addressed. The State of the Union always has a rebuttal from whichever party doesn't hold the White House. So last night, the Republicans had a woman, uh, Reynolds, what's her first name? Kim Kim Reynolds did the rebuttal. The Democrats had two people do a rebuttal. Joe Biden's own party had two different rebuttals to his State of the Union address. That's how divided we are. And we just had a president and previous presidents who have no idea how to address this. They don't know how to address it in an authentic way. There's only one way to bring us all together. One way, Jesus Christ. And they can't do it. They're not equipped to do it. As I told you earlier in this rant, Joe Biden is talking about God when it comes to transgender. He needs to be talking about God when it comes to unity. He needs to be talking about Jesus Christ. Because if we don't come back one nation under God, and cut out all these little surface level divisions 
and idolatry that we're obsessed with. We're never coming together. And so we can't help the Ukraine or Russia because we're not together. But the Democrats, Rashida Tlaib, had a response for the Working Family Party. Colin Allred of Texas uh, had a response for the Congressional Black Caucus. So Joe Biden's own party had two rebuttals to his State of the Union address. And this man, not in a real way, never touched on, hey, how do we bring this country back together? Things have gone crazy here. We can't even have discussions with each other without calling each other names and dismissing each other's opinions. And we, we can't get into any facts because anytime someone utters an opinion we don't like, oh, you're homophobic. Oh, you're racist. Oh, you're transphobic. And the whole conversation is about whether you like me or not. Like is a feeling. And again, they've driven this country into a ditch chasing feelings. Joe Biden's got two women sitting behind him all night, Nancy Pelosi and Kamala Harris. And our whole conversation in America has been feminized. And that's when I showed you the video of all the people talking about defunding the police. See how many more women talking this emotional garbage? All that defunding the police, that's an emotional response to George Floyd. It's not a logical, rational, reasonable response. That's emotions run amok. Men have laid down and allowed this country to be completely emasculated and feminized. And that's why they got an 80 year old robot as the leader. He can be programmed what to say. They can cut his balls off and keep them in a jar and give them back to him when his presidency is over. That was cowardice last night. And you can feel good, oh, I'm blaming Joe Biden. It's all of us. It's you too. We've all been emasculated. The entire conversation, the entire direction of the country has been emasculated. And that's why we can't address real things. And that's why everybody's afraid to talk about the most high and the principles, the Christian principles that were instilled in this country's founding. They ain't got the balls to talk about that. They don't have the courage to empower people who understand that. They're going to empower fake Christians like Joe Biden, who will attach God and Christianity to the transgender issue. The, the woman they trying to put on the Supreme Court, 
She, God, Christian, but she's pro-abortion. You can't, you can't, you can't connect them two. God has nothing to do with snatching a baby and crushing him. Because that's what abortion is. God has nothing to do with that. That is the devil. And if that woman's not smart enough to realize it, shame on her. We have to go back to the basics and get a fundamental understanding of who we are and what this country is and what it was founded on and what led it to be successful. We, we have to go back to the very basics. One nation under God, a Bible and a constitution, the entire point of this show, the entire point of the fearless army is trying to inspire men to stand up and to stand on their biblical principles. I'm not trying to inspire anybody to be stupid about it. I don't want you to cost your job, but in every way you can without damaging your family, you need to stand on those principles. Because if we don't, we're going to continue to be fed idiots like Joe Biden, men without the courage, the integrity, the intellect to stand with God and to do the right thing. This I, I'm, I know the left has convinced many of you that, oh, my God. Thomas Jefferson was a sinner, therefore, anything he touched is filled with sin. It's just not true. Everybody but Jesus was a sinner. Paul was a sinner. You're going to disagree with what he, what he wrote in the Bible? The chapters he wrote, he was a sinner, no different than Thomas Jefferson. And so flawed and sinful men can be inspired in moments to do God's work and to create things that reflect God's worldview, point of view, directions. And so it's like, if you really understand the Declaration of Independence and the Constitution. These were God-inspired, inspired documents written by flawed men of their time. And so I've seen people, I mentioned Thomas Jefferson uh, over the weekend and one of my friends was like, oh, he owned slaves. No question, flawed man of his time. I said, hey, one day we're going to be judged. Those of us who played any role in an abortion, we're going to be judged. Man, you lived in a time where abortion was legal and people fought for its right and it was sold as a fundamental right. 
a woman's choice and blah, blah, blah. And, and many of us paid for or encouraged women to get abortions. Reaching up into a woman's body, snatching out a baby and crushing it. How do you think God's going to stack that up against slavery? Those are the times we live in. We're no better than Thomas Jefferson. And so Thomas Jefferson is capable of writing a God-inspired document despite being flawed himself. And if you're not smart enough to realize that the documents that founded this country were written intentionally in a way to undo slavery, Shame on you and shame on the teachers that taught you. Anybody with a brain can look at the founding documents and see they were intentionally written in a way to improve this country and send it down a path that God intended. Those documents were not perfect, but they were inspired by a biblical worldview. They were written by flawed men. We're all flawed, men no different than you and me. But some men have the ability to put their flaws aside for moments, for time periods, and hear God and come up with concepts and ideas that are consistent with God's values. That's what made this country great, those documents. If you go read the rough drafts of the Declaration of Independence. If you understand that in order for something to be put into the Declaration of Independence, all 13 colonies had to agree on it. But if you go look at what Thomas Jefferson wrote originally, and I've looked at them with my own eyes, I've held the documents with my own hands. The rough drafts, what he tried to get through, that only 11 of the 13 colonies approved, but it was a direct attack on slavery. And the, the kernels of that, the, the, the remnants that he was able to sneak in, all men are created equal. It was done intentionally to end slavery and put America on a course that was more consistent with God's values. And he did that despite he, just because he participated in it didn't mean he didn't know it was wrong. And that's why I'm sitting here telling you, even though I didn't know, but I was involved in an abortion. I impregnated the woman. I know abortion is wrong. But I was a participant in one. No different. I'm, I think that's all I want to say for now. Uh, don't go anywhere. Pastor Bobby, Pastor Anthony are going to be here. Give us a little biblical worldview on war and what's going on in the Ukraine. Welcome back. 
time for a little Tennessee harmony. Uh, you know what, guys? After that 90 minutes I just spent, uh, rent, I do need a little prayer uh, before we uh, get into this conversation. So uh, get us rolling. All right. Let me, let me pray. By the way, Jason, um, you were on a roll, and that was really good. But I also know when you do that, anybody who does that, it's kind of like, like, wow. So I'm going to pray for you too. God, we uh, commit this time to you. I think so much is happening, especially uh, this stuff in the Ukraine. And I just pray for us in this conversation of the three of us, but also for everybody watching. Would you guide us, God, so that we think rightly about these things? I pray in Jesus' name. Father, continuing in this prayer, we are so thankful for the opportunity to be able to share in your kingdom and to share your kingdom. Help us to be what you've called us to be. Let our words and our actions be pleasing and acceptable to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, so we got the war going on in the Ukraine. You know, mainstream TV, you never get to have this discussion. Uh, what should those of us that are Christian what, what does God have to say about war? Are there just wars? Are there unjust wars? Should we all be pacifists as Christians? Uh, it's kind of an open-ended question, but I, I just wanted, my, for my own edification and for the audience, what should we think about war in general and this particular war in particular? I think, Anthony, why don't you jump in with the kind of the spiritual background and then, uh, as uh, we've shared with you, there's basically three perspectives. There's variations on them, but three perspectives. And I just want to go through those with you and then uh, share where, where I land on it. And uh, Anthony's going to share where he lands. You know, sometimes uh, God in the Old Testament, uh, he used war sometimes to uh, get across his will. Sometimes it was people versus people, nation versus nation. Uh, but zooming out, God's ultimate plan is for us to win the spiritual war. And when we read the New Testament, you hear Paul, you hear James, you hear of this spiritual war that we're involved in. I got a couple of scriptures that I want to look at on that. Uh, in James chapter four, James says, what causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You desire to not have, so you kill. You covet, but you cannot get what you want. So you quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with the wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. So James is saying the, the real essence of why we fight at all is not because of what happens out here, but because of what happens inside of us. We're fighting wars with, within ourselves, our own mind. There's something going on with us, within us. And then Paul takes it a step further by saying in 2 Corinthians 10, for we do not walk in, for though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. Again, the spiritual war that we're fighting, that's what we're really trying to get at. All the other wars, if we win the spiritual war, all the other wars will be won as well because they are a reflection of what's going on in us spiritually. Uh, so I preach a lot. I teach a lot about this 
spiritual war that we're in because we see the remnants of it all around. I think we need to really spend a lot of time. I understand that we live in this world uh, and there's some physical things going on, but that's only a reflection of what's happening spiritually. Give me that in like layman's term, if you were talking to 18 year olds, Mm -hmm. give me just a more basic understanding of what you just said. In whatever realm that we live, there's something going on within us that we have to process. There's a reason why I feel the way that I feel about you. You feel the way that I feel. There's a spiritual thing going on. And what James is saying is that because of what I'm fighting inside, it becomes evident in what we fight elsewhere. So if we win that battle within us, why am I attracted to this? Why am I uh, lusting after this? Why do I hate this? Why is that driving me? There's a spirit within us. That's that's causing all of that. If I win that war, then and and I know you're you're a big proponent on helping ourselves, developing ourselves. If I can get that man under control, then I got all the rest of this stuff under control. One other scripture that comes to mind as we're talking, you you ask about how I deal with that with 18 year olds. Paul in Galatians chapter five says that we are spirit and flesh. And at the end of the day, We're doing what we're led to do by either one of those. If we're led by the flesh, we're going to gratify the flesh. But if we're led by the spirit, we're going to gratify and do the things that the spirit calls us to do. And there is a war within our body between the flesh and the spirit. I I do think what you're saying is consistent because I I had a conversation earlier this week with a friend of mine from college and his sister and, and we were, both of us were trying to convince his sister, like, no, all you really got to do is win your own little personal battle. And, mm-hmm. and I can remember he referenced Michael Jackson's Man of the Mirror. And it's like, hey. I hear it. He goes, I hear it now as an adult versus the way I heard it as a kid. It's much more powerful listening to it now and under fully understanding it. Uh, and so I, I do like... She was arguing there's all these big mammoth things we need to do. And I was like, nah, just do you and watch the impact. And, you know, you may touch your nephew or your son or your next door neighbor and they'll see what you're doing and how it's working for you. And then it'll just spread from there. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, that, that's why, you know, I tell people all the time. Anything that ever happens wrong on this show, my literal first thought is like, what did I do? Yeah. Mm. Uh, and what can I do to be better? So, so let's take what we're talking about and let's go to talk about Putin. So I believe that power and control structures uh, amongst people have spiritual roots. Okay. So if you take what Anthony was just talking about and look at Putin, what does Putin want? Well, he's telling us. He wants the uh, Russia to have more power and influence. He wants Russia to be able to be uh, with the Ukrainian people to have a buffer between NATO. And he wants the old glory days of the Soviet Union. What does he want? He wants power and control. Mm -hmm. And so that is being prompted when it's an ungodly thing 
by demonic forces. So it, it, here's, here's how I would tell the 18-year-old. I would say you have to look at power and control in organizations, communities, and countries as the context of spiritual influence. Who has the influence? One of the things that I think you've done a great job of talking about, Jason, is how people on the radical left are being influenced by Satan. They're trying to establish demonic power holds of control and power, okay? And that's what that's literally the spiritual battle going on in the Ukraine. The book of Revelation teaches us it describes the end times using first century imagery, and it talks about this empire, this uh, political empire that takes over everything, and it says that that political empire is being supported by and developed by Satan. So the Bible does not shy back from saying there's spiritual forces behind all of these things that are going on. All right, so I'm gonna zero in a little bit on the Putin comment, and not to engage in a full political conversation, but you just led me to the deal. Putin probably believes, yeah, I want more power and control because I'll have more safety. Yeah. He's saying that, hey, if NATO comes to my front door, which isn't gonna happen with the Ukraine, but he's made it up in his mind that that's a line in the sand, he, he, he's saying, no, I want more power and control because I can protect the Russian people better if I have more power and control. If we're disunified, because, you know, he still thinks of Ukrainians as Russians, mm -hmm. uh, we're, we're less safe. So what's your... Oh, I would even take it a step further. Uh, Putin, actually, he's an Orthodox, claims to be an Orthodox believer. By the way, the Orthodox Church, not Orthodox beliefs, but the Orthodox Church. And uh, the roots of the Russian Orthodox Church and the roots of the Ukrainian Orthodox Church are one and the same. And so he's literally appealed that they need this spiritual unity with the people in the Ukraine. Just because somebody says something, though, it doesn't mean that that's true. Right. And we're all self-deceived in certain ways. And the danger with somebody like Putin, as it was with Hitler, is that you get so isolated in your megalomania that there aren't people around you to say, this is crazy, this is wrong. And, uh, and so he, uh, you know. That would be the problem with being in power for 20 years. <laughs> That's why they need to <laughs> And being one of the wealthiest people on the whole planet as well. It's kind of like you start to develop. Satan really gets a foothold in the way that you think. Even, even when you made the comment about safety, a lot of war is fought under that pretense. Either something is attacking us and thus making us unsafe, or if I preemptively make this move, it will make us more safe. Uh, and, you know, we're looking at this from a, a godly perspective, like, Safety in terms of what? And that's where anybody's mind can go anywhere with that. Putin yeah. can say, hey, if you guys make this move, that's going to shift us. And so we've got to make a move, too. Have we answered the question directly, though, in terms of what is God's position on but No, war? I don't think we've got at it yet. So I'd like to He's do that. Yeah. Let me go through the three positions. And as I mentioned, there's variations. Uh, so the first position is just kind of the common man's position. And, and I just call it, or you can call it the government theory, that whatever the government does must be right. Uh, people often refer to passages like Ecclesiastes 3.8. says there's a time to love and a time to hate, a time for war and a time for peace. 
And the idea here is I'm just going to follow what my government says, my government says to do it, and I'm going to go ahead and do it. And I guarantee you that Russian soldiers, by and large, although they've probably been persuaded that what they're doing is right, mm -hmm. they're just average everyday people, and they're just saying, okay, we believe our leaders, and we're going to go to war. And so I, that's just the average everyday person. The opposite of that is uh, pacifists. So the earliest Christians, after the writing of the New Testament, for about 300 years, they were pacifists. They wouldn't go to war. They, uh, they just thought that it was wrong. And uh, there's three reasons for that. Let me, let me actually read to you a passage that many pacifists will quote. It's from Matthew 5. You've heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, do not resist an evil person. But whoever slaps you on the right cheek, turn the other to him also. And so they say that Jesus modeled nonviolence. Uh, Jesus, it's contrary to the way of Jesus. If you resort to violence, uh, again, the earliest Christians, both in the book of Revelation and in the early church were pacifists. And uh, uh, they would also point to, if you're going to be a soldier, you're required to do terrible things in war and that a Christian shouldn't do this. So that's the pacifist view. Uh, Amish, I was going to tease you, actually, because you'll often joke with us about the Amish. Amish Mennonites, uh, Hutterites, uh, and uh, a, a pretty significant number of uh, millennial Christian leaders are pacifists today. And then that leads us to the third, which is kind of between the two. Between the one where you say, well, I'm just going to do what my government says. And the other one says, no, I'm going to be a pacifist, follow the way of nonviolence. It's the just war theory. So let me just take a minute with this because I, I do want to commend it to you, Jason. It's what I personally believe and recommend to you. So somebody who is a Christian who believes in a just war uh, believes that the war needs to be just and carried out by just means. Uh, and if it is just and carried out by just means, then a Christian can get involved in it. In fact, people like C.S. Lewis uh, and other great Christian leaders say that a Christian has an obligation to do that. That a Christian, for example, has an obligation to uh, oppose uh, Adolf Hitler or to oppose uh, Vladimir Putin. In fact, one of the most noteworthy Christians of the 1900s was Dietrich Bonhoeffer, who was a pacifist, but then was arrested by the Nazis and uh, literally tried to kill Hitler. Uh, and they caught him and put him to death. Here are the eight criteria of a just war. Oh, by the way, it's based on Romans 13. So Romans 13 describes it this way. Let everyone be subject to governing authorities, for there is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist, talking about government, the government authorities that exist have been established by God. So the one in authority, that would be the, the political leaders, the one in authority is God's servant for good. And then he writes to these Christians and he says, if you do wrong, be afraid, for rulers do not bear the sword for no reason. They're God's servants. What is? The political leaders. They're God's servants. They're God's servants agents of wrath to bring punishment on the wrongdoer. 
So real quickly, here are the eight character traits. War is by the government, not individuals. We don't get to go to war as individuals. There must be a just cause. Take in the Ukraine. I'm going to argue if I'm a Ukrainian, I'm entering into this war to defend my country. Okay, and I think it would match the criteria of a just war. So it's, it's by our government. There is a just cause. Stopping the Russians is a just cause. A just intention to stop the Russians from killing, murdering, uh, and destroying my people. It is a last resort. You've tried everything else. There's a formal declaration. All right, we're going to war. Uh, limited objectives. Here in the case, it would be to stop the Russians. It wouldn't be we're going to try to kill every Russian on the planet. Uh, uh, seven, um, proportionate means. In other words, we're not going to use a nuclear bomb to get them back. We're just going to try to stop the war. And then uh, eighth, non-combatant immunity. So, for example, one of the really egregious things that Putin's doing right now is destroying schools and hospitals, uh, people who are not com competing, and uh, he's doing terrible things to them. And, and, of course, that makes all of us really upset. That was pretty good. I needed that. Anthony, you got anything you want to add to that? No, I, I, I'm amen to that. Uh, I believe that, uh, as I said, there are times for a just war. Uh, I wouldn't be all the way pacifist, but I like how Bobby broke down the fact that, you know, this is a last resort. I'm doing everything I can to, okay, but if this is what we have to do, this is what we have to do. So I talked so long at the beginning of the show, I know at one point there, I said there's something I wanted to ask you all that I said I maybe asked them about. Uh, can anybody remember? Uh, can't remember. So you know what? Do you know what it was? No, I don't. I just know that you were going. Uh, the transgender deal. That's what I want. Oh. Biden saying in his little passage about uh, supporting transgender people and so that they can, so you can be yourself and reach your God-given potential. I nearly fell off my couch. I nearly Bobby. fell off my, I, in fact, I told my wife we were watching it together and I said, this is so ungodly. He's saying that you should have your God-given potential, which is to reject the way God created you. Because you, you know, internally, your feelings are not oriented that way. Jason, uh, you were really clear earlier when you spoke about this. And I just think it's so important and helpful for the clarity because so many people are being persuaded by this stuff. Um, I want to tell you something that happened to me this past Sunday. So in, uh, when I was teaching... I mentioned that uh, to, to the people in our church that we've got to follow King Jesus, that King Jesus is more important and what he teaches than anybody else. And I mentioned you're, we're going to have to resist pressure from the left, from the, uh, the, the gender police, the LGBT uh, emphasis. We're going to have to resist the pressure from the right, uh, where I literally had somebody tell me that the U.S. Constitution was more important than Jesus. Uh, and uh, anyway, I felt pretty good about it, and it wasn't a strong statement. Well, afterwards, a family came up to me, and there was a young girl. She's probably 13 years of age. They'd just been there twice, and she said, why are you so homophobic? And I said, um, I tried to be gentle, and I just said, well, honey, I, I'm not trying to be. I love, I love LGBT people. I really do. 
And I said, I'm just trying to encourage people to look at what the Bible says. And the Bible clearly teaches that this is not behavior that Probably, God wants. why are you so adulterophobic? <laughs> yes. <laughs> why, I mean, seriously, you're really adulterophobic. How come? I mean, can't you just see that adultery is just a desire that God put in someone? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I can totally see that desire because the truth is that we all wrestle with, you know, if we just gave our desires, gave into our desires, we'd become, you know. Anthony, very, why, why are you so gluttony phobic? Yeah. I mean, yeah. can't you just see I like McDonald's? It's I mean, just the desire that God gave you. Yes. We should. I have to finish my story. Just <laughs> let, me, let me jump in. So anyway, I tried to say, well, honey, we're just trying to follow what the Bible says. And uh, she started crying, which made me want to cry. And then, and then I said, we're just, we just want to love people, but I'll pull what God says. And she said, there's nothing wrong with him. And she put her head in her father's arm, and he kind of looked at me. And I re- here's what I realized. Like what Biden said, everybody's being persuaded and normalizing what is clearly contrary to what the Bible says. And it takes people, we've got to be clear, even, even as we speak with love, we've got to be clear about what's true about these things, because it's crazy. When I get pulled over by a policeman the next time, I'm going to say, why are you so 80 mile per hour phobic? <laughs> because again, what it's very simple. What and this is why I call it satanic. It's just do what thou wilt. Yes. And Aleister Crowley and the Satanists, that is their philosophy. Do what thou wilt. And and it's all about whatever your desires are, go out and do them. Find yourself. Do blah blah blah. Don't look to this, the wisdom of the Bible to, to help define who you are. You find yourself. You don't need it. But whatever you feel. He's normal. When, when he, the president of the United States says stuff like that, he's normalizing it. And, you know, earlier you were talking about uh, abortion. But I, I want to get a, I want to be clear here, Bob. I don't want you to miss my again. They're normalizing whatever you feel. Right is appropriate and you should go for. I have a major problem with that. And so it's not just transphobia, it's whatever you feel. And that's why people are walking out of marriages. This just doesn't feel right. Mm -hmm. I can't fulfill what I want. I may have two or three kids, but this is about me and what I feel. Mm -hmm. That's what he's normalizing. And so eventually, this is why I, been on this topic for at least 10 years. They're going to legalize pedophilia. Yes. It's going to happen in our lifetime because that's just the way they feel. They just happen to like 12 year old girls. And you know what? You'll have a girl 10 years from now crying. They're just like little kids. What's wrong with him, daddy? He's pedophilia phobic. (laughs) That's where where it's going. And it's going to get to the place where we the common person is not going to be able to say anything against it because it will be normalized. I love everybody. Uh, If I love God, I got to love everybody that God loves. But God loves me enough to tell me no to satanic and evil desires. He loves me that much. He'd be willing. There's scripture that tells you if your right hand causes you to, to sin, cut it off. And the implication of it is I'd rather you be saved with one less arm than to try to live according to your own desires with both. So when we, you know, the whole transgender piece, 
I'm not afraid of you using the literal definition of phobia. I'm not afraid of you. I disagree with your lifestyle from a godly perspective. Well, and it's not the best. I mean, what God teaches is what's the best for us. Absolutely. Just, just think, a recent study came out, one in five uh, Gen Z, which is basically 25 and under, one in five identifies now as LGBT. So, you know... Uh, Whatever you th- feel. And, th- and it used to be just 3% has gone to 20%. And, and why is that happening? Because it's being encouraged based on whatever you feel. And it's not, it's, you know, it it breaks my heart because it's going to not be the best for people. So many people are going to be hurt by, and are being hurt by this. It's just going to, more chaos, more division, more disunity. Um, Let's pray for revival. We need revival (laughs) in this land, Jason. Uh, We need more. God loves us. All right. It's been a long show. I hear tomorrow. That means we'll see you tomorrow, hopefully with a very special show. Came like a fighter, striking like a ladder, making all this moves for freedom. I want freedom. No negotiation, my system, no relation, we all just want to have freedom. Sitting on the corner, never been alone, I'm breaking my back for freedom. Bless, we are living, get back, we are receiving all the seed when we all want to be free. We want freedom. I just want, I want to be, I just want, I want to be, I just want, I want to be, I just want.